Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but we would love to meet you in person. All are welcome, and that includes you. So if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service at the corner of Arthur Ashe Boulevard and Grove in the historic synagogue across from the art museum. Can't make it in person? No problem. We are also live streaming on YouTube. Contact our administrator at tikvatdirector at gmail.com for the link during the week or contact us on our website tikvatisrael.com. There, you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of his word. Jonathan Moore, if you don't know, Scott Moore that was up here is the father of Jonathan Moore, who lives in Israel. Jonathan and his family are based in Jerusalem, Israel, and became part of the leadership of Ahavat Yeshua Congregation, a congregation there in the land, in 2016. He has a passion for leadership, home groups, discipleship, and an insistence on inevitable revival. I love that. He has also been called to bring business and ministry together and has a consulting practice helping unlock people, teams, and organizations to fulfill their God-given purpose. Jonathan has enjoyed leading many Israeli entrepreneurial initiatives, for example, Yosher Tours, which is also family business as well. If you're interested in going to the land of Israel, check out uh, Yosher Tours. Talk to Sherry Moore, Jonathan's mom, and guiding strategic planning for organizations ready to rise up. Jonathan and his wife, Simcha Naomi Juster Moore, have four young children, and they live in the land of Israel. So let's give a warm Tikvat Israel welcome to Jonathan Moore. Well, it's super exciting for me to be here with you. Thank you, David. Thank you, Tikvat Israel. Coming to you from the, the hills outside of Jerusalem, Judea and the hills. And I want to give you some updates about Jerusalem in the end and kind of where our congregation is and where we're at. But I am also saying that I'm in my one home and quiet place, which is in my car. When you have four kids, you got to find every opportunity. So I'm in the car outside of the house and uh, enjoying this uh, quiet and being with you. I'm to preach on Avodah. Avodah. Avodah is obviously a Hebrew word, and it's an amazing word, actually, because it has a few different meanings. Avodah in Genesis 2 is about working the garden even before the fall, which tells us there's something about work that is not only a curse and uh, is actually a good thing. And also an exodus, we just I think, started Shemot today, so Shemot, so in Exodus chapter 8, it talks about Avodah, that the children of Israel want to leave Egypt in order to la'avod, in order to work the Lord. No, not to work the Lord, to praise, to worship the Lord. So Avodah has this double meaning Maybe you've already heard this because I think I'm the last one to speak on this topic, but I just wanted to review that. It's worship, it's work, it's also the same roots and the same connected etymology as slavery, which is avdut, also from the same Torah portion, and evit, which is slave. So as a kid, I wanted to share something a little personal. I used to always really want to be like Solomon, King Solomon, and his prayer for wisdom. But later on, and I used to pray that prayer a lot, 
But later on, I begin to pray for a heart like David. Because God says that the heart of David was Ish Kenavavi, a man after his own heart. That's what God says about David. And I wanted my heart to be like God and like David. And that's probably not very easy. Probably takes a lot of work, avodah. But uh, I have undergone a lot of work. My parents, Scott and Sherry, can probably attest to that better than anyone. Not too many stories, please. I want to keep somewhat of my reputation. But um, my parents patiently worked with me to get my heart, my habits into a healthy place. I actually had a best friend growing up who said that I was extremely selfish. Extremely selfish. And that, that impacted me when your good friend tells you that. So I had a lot of work to do in my heart. But my parents didn't give up on me. Others didn't give up on me. And they helped me really keep coming back to the center. And for, for me, one of the things that really was an anchor was a, a way that I was strengthened and continually brought back to the Lord was through Christian and Messianic Jewish music. I don't know if I'm the only one, but I, I had a really hard time memorizing large sections of scripture. But I think we're all the same way where we can remember songs. Songs are much easier. A large number of us can sing scripture because it, it's put to a song and repeated often in our service. I mean, I'm guessing if I start, okay, Yes, you all know it. I can't hear you, but I'm assuming somebody sang with me. Or, Exactly. Okay, I'm, I'm hoping. I'm, I'm leaving in faith somebody was with me on that. But we all have, as this accessible to us, some of us have it in a little bit more of a dusty storage in the back of our minds and not carrying it readily in our hearts, these, these songs, this worship. But have you ever noticed how happy those people are who are walking down the street when they're whistling or humming? They always, what do they look doing? They're, they're, they're smiling. I'm not talking about the angry headphone earbud wearer people. I'm talking about the people who have nothing going on in their head and they just have a song in their hearts. They're whistling, they're, they're humming as they go along in their day. There's something about that that helps us to have overflowing joy that, that is actually contagious. And interestingly, the Bible contains a whole book of uh, what we call songs, maybe songs, but somehow they chose to call it a, a psalm, psalms. And, and we're going to look at David, who wrote several of these songs, psalms. But first, before we get to that, I, I want you to open up your Bibles with me. And we're going to go to one of our forefathers, Jacob. Jacob, son of Isaac, son of Abraham. So let's open up our Bibles to Genesis chapter 29, verses 15 through 20. So that's Genesis 29, 15 through 20. Now, I'm going to just skip to the end because you guys probably are somewhat familiar with the story. But Jacob has fled from his, his brother. He's come to his relative uh, Laban, and he, he gets uh, very excited about one of Laban's daughters, Rachel. Now, Rachel is beautiful. And so Laban says, okay, you know, you're going to have to, uh, you have to work for her. Seven years. Seven years you have to work for her. 
But verse 19, we're still read that one verse. Laban says, it is better that I give her to you than I give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob worked for Rachel seven years. Yet in his eyes, it was like a few days because of his love for her. Seven years felt like a few days. Seven years of work felt like a few days. What? Now, I've heard that time flies when you're having fun, but does time fly when you're working your focus off? Maybe it does if your work, Avodah, is also worship, Avodah. Maybe his work was lightened because he was whistling while he worked. Maybe he was enjoying some of the good oldies like Grandpa Abraham had a son. Yes, had a son, Grandpa Abraham. Or, or maybe, maybe it was something else. Maybe it was, uh, oh, he was probably singing like, I'm going to the hoopah and I'm gonna get married. He, he had a song in his heart. He was excited about what's going to happen at the end of those seven years. I'm not, that's just my, that's my guess. This is a little bit of a drastic interpretation. It's not in the text, but I, I believe that Jacob was able to do this and were able to feel like it was a short time because of the joy and the song that was in his house. Okay, let's get back into a little bit more uh, biblically based. We're going to go to David now. The second example for us is David. As we mentioned earlier, David is a man after God's own heart. God himself says this about David. Now, what two things is David known for? One, his worship, and two, his fighting. He kills Goliath, he fights the Philistines and the Amalekites, he even incurs Saul's jealousy and wrath because David killed tens of thousands as opposed to Saul's thousands. Tens of thousands. This fearsome warrior was also the most emotionally vulnerable figure in the whole Bible. He writes songs crying out in desperation, in anger, in shame, in hope, and in joy. Listen to the emotion of David in this musical psalm that came from his heart. Psalm 22. Psalm 22, it's starting in verse 1. A song of David. For the music director on the Doe of the Dawn, a psalm of David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Distant from my salvation are the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cried out by day, but you did not answer. By night, but there was no rest for me. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you, our fathers put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. He's standing on the promises. Even if his emotions aren't in line, he's standing on the promises, and he's singing a song about those promises. He's singing a song about his desperation, about his 
emotional state, but the overriding goodness of God. In verse 8, we'll skip ahead. All who see me mock me. They curl their lips, shaking their heads. And they say bad things, mean things to them. And verse 12, we're going to end there. Be not far from me. For trouble is near, there's no one to help. Just God. He's the only one. This song helps him process his emotions. It helps him recenter himself on the truth of who God is. It helps him to get through the hard times and remember the promises and the future blessings and goodness that God will have in the future. For anyone who wants extra credit, there's this very important uh, Psalm, Psalm 18, which is very connected to our current situation in Israel right now. It's a story of the Amalekites coming and taking the women and children of Israel into captivity from Ziklag. It's in 1 Samuel 30, verses 1 through 19. And then David pursues them, and he uh, gets his family back, and he destroys them. So Psalm 18 talks about that, but we're not going to go into that for extra credit for the stellar believers in Tikvah Israel. Each one of you is going to have a situation rising in the next 48 hours. Some of you maybe will have it in the next 48 minutes. And which you will not feel like having a song in your heart. And not every song is appropriate for every moment. But you will not feel like smiling. You will not feel like humming. You will not feel like whistling. You are not going to feel like a song in your heart. And that's okay. But I'm a believer, a firm believer, that there is a song appropriate for every moment. Let's take some extremes. Say you're at a funeral. Obviously, there's joyful songs that are not appropriate. But maybe in your heart, you could be singing, I can only imagine. I don't know if you know the song, but it's a song about what heaven is like and how it's going to be to meet God in that day. That could be appropriate. Or if you're taking a long run, you're working out, you may have, I am the tiger, the thrill of the fight. I don't actually know the words, sorry. That might be the song you want to have. Or if you're out of class or, or doing something at the JCC, you might have a song in your heart. Yes, it's so good to be together with brethren, to be able to get together and, and have common bonds of friendship and relationship. The point is that having a song in your heart gives you strength and joy, even in the middle of difficult times, even when other emotions try to overwhelm you. It's possible, it doesn't seem logical, but it's possible to have more than one emotion at the same time. It's possible to have joy and sadness at the same time. It's possible to have feel annoyed and joyful at the same time. You can feel all these at the same time, but if you have a song in your heart, it helps keep the positive emotion in the midst of that negative emotion. What's the opposite of joy? What's the opposite of having a song in your heart? I don't believe it's anger. I don't believe it's annoyance. I believe the opposite of a song in your heart is what I call the void. Having a calloused heart, having a numbness, having an emptiness in your heart. 
That's the opposite of a song in your heart. And the world is very good at creating that numbness. And the world is very good at creating a, a calloused heart that doesn't feel anything. That's what a lot of people take drugs for, to not feel. That's why a lot of people escape to, to, to other things. They're phones and games, and they're addicted to these things that they don't have to think or feel or have any introspection. That's the void. David was emotional. David was not a balanced person in that way. The, the stiff upper lip of, of British thinking. He's not that. He's an Israeli. He's excitable. He yells. He screams. He cries. This is what the Lord wants from us in our hearts. A, a, a heart that feels that he can grab hold of and share his feelings on things with us. He does not want us to have a void in our hearts. He wants to put the truth and the joy of a song in each one of our hearts. And each one of us is responsible for keeping that song in our hearts. Each one of us is responsible for having a circumcised heart, which is sensitive. Now, Tikva Israel is a community of believers. You've had ups and downs just like every other community. Can you keep a song in your heart also in the community? And you come together putting the difficulties to the side and grab hold of one another and sing together a song of hope. Ikvah. It's said in uh, the prophet Isaiah that darkness will cover the face of the earth. A deep darkness. But in the same place, it also says, Kumi Oli, Yvaoen, arise and shine, for your light has come. As darkness covers the face of the earth, and politics, agendas, and all kinds of things are happening, sicknesses and pandemics. And Tikvat Israel, the hope of Israel, be a source of hope, a source of life. A source of a song that continues in your heart that keeps you positive when other people are despairing. And the end times, depending on how you see this, are seven years of tribulation. Just like David had seven years of working to get his bride, we're going to have seven years of survival and revival of pressing in, seeing miracles, seeing crazy difficulties. And at the end of that seven years, we get to have a marriage supper of the Lamb of Yeshua. And we have such a strong song in our hearts that those, even those seven years feel like a few days. I don't know. That's a big challenge. I don't know. But I believe you can. I believe. Think about Israel can do it. I believe I can do it. I believe you can do it. I'm really excited about the possibility of us being more than overcomers. I promised some updates on Israel and about Yeshua, so I'm going to end with that. I don't want to go over the time. I really respect your time. I understand it's when it was snowing there. I don't want to Stop frosty from getting created. I don't know if it's sticking, but 
Regardless, I wanted to share a couple updates and just to give a sense of where things are. There's there's a thousand details. I could talk for an hour or two hours on this easily. But I'm going to do it in about five minutes. I would say the overarching title to how things are is God's grace is daily lifting us up. God's grace is daily lifting us up. Now, I was in Washington, D.C. on 9-11, and I was in Jerusalem on October 7th, and they feel very similar in my mind. My experience was very similar. It, It was like both experiences were like a psychological atomic bomb. How is this possible? Is this real? Is this is this fake news? Is this real? Watching the videos coming in from insider military and police sources shook me to my core. Listening to audio recordings of believers who had terrorists shooting machine gun fire outside of their houses, and some of them, I think two that I know of, had terrorists in their house and their family room. That is difficult to hear as you're having bombs go off nearby. We had a rocket land about 100 yards from our house right next to the park where my kids are at almost every single day where they play normally. The boom shook our house so much that at one point I left the security room to go upstairs. The security room was in the basement, of course. And I went upstairs and I literally thought that might have landed on my house. I might not have an upstairs floor. Thank God that was not the case. But it was was a very crazy time. But God's grace was also really good. We got together after about two weeks as a congregation for the first time. And a few hours before our service, our first service after the war started, I learned that one of the girls in our congregation, connected to our congregation, had a brother kidnapped and taken to Gaza. And she was at our service. And I'm thinking, what can we say to her? What, what comfort, what assurance, what support can we give her? And that day, we didn't have a message. We didn't have anything. We just had worship. We just had crying out to the Lord. Because that's what we could do. It put a song in our hearts of despair, of of sadness. And that was good. And it was real. And it was raw. So it's been extremely hard. But God's grace has been daily and has been sufficient for us. We've been stretched. We've grown as a congregation. We've grown as a community. We have a couple community uh, families in our congregation that were raising money, equipment for soldiers. And one of the young mothers in this families ran into a friend from high school. She hadn't seen her in years. She was asking her how she's doing. So this friend of hers said, I'm mentally stressed. I'm emotionally kind of run out because my husband is in the police and, you know, things are not safe and it's really scary. And so this young mother in our congregation said, well, would it help if we were able to give him and maybe some other people in his units some equipment, you know, a, a vest, that is a bulletproof vest, a helmet, maybe, something like that. And she said, yes, that would be so good. It touched her heart. And she received this equipment. And not a week later, a terrorist incident happened 
at one of the checkpoints in Jerusalem where her husband was working, and he got shot twice. He got shot in his leg, he got shot in his chest. And he didn't die because he had a bulletproof vest on his chest because of a member in our congregation that was on their own initiative trying to bless and trying to do what they felt like the Lord was doing. This is what's happening in our community. These threatening and growing things which are so exciting. Another newlywed couple, the husband is on the Lebanese border doing crazy important things. I can't go into specifics because it's sensitive. But she didn't see her husband for something like 40 days in the beginning. She's helping children whose fathers were killed on October 7th because the mothers and these children were relocated to right outside of our neighborhood. And she's serving several of these children and taking care of these kids, taking care of these orphaned children. You know, they sell their mothers, but their fathers are living. And that's an amazing testimony, amazing gift. Another um, situation, there's a really good video that I sent it to my dad also of a, a group of army soldier girls, probably 30-ish. I'll just share what the, what the translation is. It's in Hebrew. It's a song written by a young Messianic worship leader in Israel, Ethiopian girl. It was amazing. It came out probably four or five years ago, I think before Corona. And, and it was a very popular song in our circles. And she, I guess she taught this to her, her fellow soldiers while she was in reserve duty. And these women are singing this song in the top of the lungs, these young girls. And here's the translation. It says, In you alone do I find hope. You are strong, even in the midst of storms. When all around me burns, I'll trust in you. You lift me up. You lift me high above every difficulty. I am trusting and leaning into your arms, O God. You lift me high, no matter what has been. The victory is already in your hands, so I run toward the goal. Let's see if you can listen to that, and then we'll end with that. It was 
such an encouraging thing to see that, to hear that song that was in these soldiers' hearts. The spiritual warfare is intense. Many days, our hearts are heavy for no specific reason other than the heaviness of spiritual warfare. Some days, I don't feel like moving, much less holding a song in my heart. I'd rather put frustration on my lips than joy in my soul or sing praises to our God. But I do. It's a choice. I uh, am reminded of a song, and we're going to end with this. Brandon Lake's Gratitude. It's a song called Gratitude by an artist named Brandon Lake. And it goes, So come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. Cause you've got a light inside of your lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. I pray that all of you would fight for having a song in your heart, even in dark times, that you'd whistle while you work, because those who have a song in their heart work the best, praise the guest, fight the best, like David, like Jacob, is something that can stick with us, even in difficult times. Blessings from Jerusalem. We love you. We appreciate you. Look forward to seeing you in the next opportunity.